Hey, let's uh, let's join in prayer this morning. I want to share with you something God put on my heart. Been uh, been just rolling around in my heart for a couple of weeks. Been sharing it with young people, and uh, really all over our county. And uh, and I want to share it with you this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity to break the bread of life, Lord, with brothers and sisters this morning. We say, Holy Spirit, we need you to give us ears to hear what you're saying to us, Lord. Um, I want to thank you, Lord, that every time we need you, you speak and you come through. You are faithful, steadfast forever, and you are a good father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Today, I want to share with you a message uh, the Lord put on my heart called The Gift. You know, we're in the middle of this, uh, the Christmas season, and many of you we're probably busy. Did anybody go out on Thanksgiving night to do shopping? Oh, there's only one or two clinically insane people. Um, that was insane. Stores opening on Thanksgiving to actually go shopping. We're like, no way. There's not. I don't need tumblers or a $5 fryer. I don't need any of that. You know, uh, I don't need any of that that badly. Um, and, uh, I know some of you went out and braved the Black Friday crowds and you got the best deals on earth. Um, how about, I want to ask this question. I want to take you back a little bit. Anybody as a young child ever actually get what you wanted for Christmas? You ever actually get it? I mean, you got it and you were just over the top excited. Hey, I got, I got a couple of, couple of kids who, uh, who, who got what they wanted for Christmas and I just want you to see it this morning. that's what your living room looks like this Christmas, especially uh, husbands, you know, I hope whatever you buy your wife, that, that's, that's her reaction. <clears throat> you know, I, actually, uh, this really isn't in my sermon, but um, 16 years ago today, we got a, the gift that me and my wife always wanted. Our first daughter, Mackenzie, was born, and uh, today she turned 16. And we love her, and she's a gift, and I was there in that moment right there at Ground Zero and caught the gift when it came out. It was awesome. 
It was awesome. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, the thing about gifts is they produce something inside of us. And, you know, God is a giver of gifts. And I believe he wants to speak something to us today about the gift. I want you to know that God is a giver of gifts. He loves to give. Listen, we've got to get this in our heart and our, our spirit. He loves to give. No matter where your heart is today, you'll be actually blazing, uh, 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 your heart blazing on fire for God, or you might actually be a little bit cold and indifferent toward God. Here this morning, I want to, I want to tell you, God wants to give you something today. No matter where your heart is. You see, James 1.17 says it this way, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He says, listen, he's always this way. He's giving good and perfect gifts. They come down from heaven. Now today, I just want to simply say this uh, for, for everyone in the room. When I say a gift, it's really just this. It's something that's given that's not earned. It's something that's given that's not earned. You know, when, I, when I've been talking to young people about this, I said, you know what? If, you, if your mom or your dad told you, hey, listen, I want you to clean the entire house. You clean the entire house. I'm going to give you $50. And you work really, 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 really hard. And you clean the entire house. And at the end of the day, you're just coming to them. And you say, all right, I'm all done. And your mom looks at you or your parent looks at you. And they say, you know what? I want to give you a gift. And they hand you the $50. I don't know if you know anything about kids, but they have a high sense of justice. They're going to be like, no, this is not a gift. This is not a gift at all. I earned this. I earned this. If you have a gift for me, I'll be happy to receive it. But no, I earned this. No, a gift is something that is given freely. It's given and it's not Earned. I want to tell you and take you to a portion of Scripture this morning where ten people received a gift all at once from Jesus. It's found in Luke chapter 17. If you want to turn there with us, I invite you to do it. It's going to be our main text today. You can stay there all day and read the other text on the screen. We'll have them there for you. It's a very famous passage I'm going to share with you this morning. And many of you have probably heard it before. Luke chapter 17. We're going to begin in verse number 11. Now I'm going to be reading this to you from the ESV. Read along in any um, any Bible that you have with you. And if you don't have a Bible, we will have those uh, on the screen for you. It says this in Luke 17, starting in verse 11. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers. He stood at a distance, oh, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turning back, praising God with a loud voice, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Listen, I want you to take some notes today. 
And I want you to just get what the Holy Spirit has for you. You see, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to write this down, and I want you to understand this. Every gift from God has a plain purpose. It reveals principles. And it produces passion. Every gift that comes from God has a plain purpose. It reveals principles and produces passion. So in this text, we have to ask some questions. First of all, we want to ask this question. Well, what's the plain purpose of this encounter with these ten lepers? And all of us in here probably could understand this uh, from the very beginning. The very plain purpose of Jesus' interaction with the ten leopards, lepers was healing healing all of us would say yes of course that makes sense it says this in verse 14 when he saw them he said to them go and show yourselves to the priests and as they went they were cleansed listen they knew the greatest need in their life was to deal with this disease of leprosy this disease would take their life it would take everything from them they knew Listen, I need healing. And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew the greatest need in their life was to deal with the leprosy. So that he could get to a greater purpose in their life. They needed healing. I love that that these men had an encounter with Jesus and everything changed. They needed healing. Now, I want to I say this to you, and we're going to go a little bit deeper into this. These men knew what their need was, but Jesus knew what their need was. Notice that his interaction didn't deal with anything else, but it dealt with this primary thing. They need to be healed of this leprosy. And so he says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into that and all of us who have ever received any kind of healing if you've ever been sick or you've ever been touched by god in this area how many of you are grateful that that happened yeah i am i remember i remember the touch of god in my life i remember one night i was so so sick uh just young man before i got married i was just beginning to follow the lord and i i I was so overwhelmed just so so sick and i'm in this in this, uh, uh, this shower, and I just remember crying out to God, God, I ask you to heal me. I'll never forget it. Uh, in that moment, there was some kind of, it was like a bright light started at my head, went all the way to my toes, and in an instant, I was healed. Now, I will say this, it, it hasn't happened every time that way. <laughs> but it did happen, and I rejoice in that, and I want to say, I want to say this, these men were rejoicing, but Jesus knew they needed healing. The second thing, the very plain purpose that probably you and I don't really get out of this story is that Jesus wanted to restore their identity. He wanted to restore their identity. You see, these lepers had been cast out of society. There was a rule in the land that if you were found to be leprous, the priest would identify it and basically you were set outside the city. You, you hung out with other lepers. And if anyone who did not have leprosy were to come near you, you were actually supposed to begin to yell, Unclean! Unclean! 
unclean so they would not come near you. Everything. Listen, God actually, did you know in the Old Testament that God planned parties for His people? They were called feasts. And they got together a few times a year and they partied over what God was doing. The lepers? Never again. They could have grown up in the temple knowing the promises and the covenants of God. Guess what? Never again. Totally separated. Totally on the outside. Could never worship God in the temple. Could never participate in the feasts with their family. They were an outcast of society. Jesus in one moment, with one word, gave them their identity back by restoring them to their community. After they were presented to the priest, the priest would then announce to the community, look, these who once were leprous, God has had grace on, and now they are healed. What a a scene that must have been. These guys who have been in the outside, now the priest is standing with them, probably touching them, which they probably haven't felt in years, saying, these men are clean. And I want to say this to you today, that in light of Luke 17, you and I are a lot like these lepers. You see, in the Old Testament, there was no greater symbol of sin than leprosy. Oftentimes, in biblical stories, when rebellion would show up, leprosy would appear on the people. Happened to Moses' sister. And I I, want to say this to you today. That in light of the plain purpose of Jesus healing the lepers, He wants to heal us of the leprosy of sin in our life. Here's um, something the Lord was speaking to me in in worship. He actually said this. If you know anything about leprosy, eventually... Um, it will take your fingers and toes and your extremities and it will fall off. That's what leprosy will basically uh, remove your extremities, eat away at you. I want to say this to you today. Those of you who have a relationship with God, willful sin in your life will handicap your walk with God. You will never be able to walk in the fullness of what God has for you if you continue in your leprosy. And Jesus in this moment heals the lepers. And in this moment the priest is now announcing to the community, these men are clean. And for those of you in the room who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there was a pronouncement made over us. It was made on a Friday while Jesus was hanging on the cross. Paid in full. It is finished. It was the proclamation of our high priest that anyone who would receive him is made clean. Clean from the leprosy of sin. If we would only receive that gift. You see, Jesus is healing us to deal with the leprosy of sin in our lives. That's killing us and separating us from the family of God. 
Oftentimes I see it in the lives of young people when, it, it, you know, maybe they're living for God for a while, but, man, their hearts begin to stray. I notice, and I can't, it's so hard. You have to, you have to go after them. I notice that there's this separation that comes. Some of you as parents, you've seen it. You're just like, oh, what do I, what do, I do? I'm going after them. You've got to pray. You've got to love. You've got to reach out. You've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And pray God removes the veil because there's just like this little bit of separation. I want to say this to you. When God begins to do a work in the heart of people, unity fills a church. Unity fills a community because it's like God starts to cleanse us all from sin and the family gets reunited. That's what happened for them. And it was the plain purpose of God. It was then, and it's God's plain purpose today. And listen, Pastor gave a word this morning. This morning, Somebody in this room isn't right with God. There may have been some people who responded. Listen, your sin is killing you and separating you from your family. And today, we stand as ambassadors of God saying, Be reconciled today. Get right today. God's not refusing you. He's welcoming you. If you'll only say yes. So the second thing that we want to look at from this story, not only does Jesus have some very plain purposes to reveal, but he also has some principles that are revealed. Now this is, this is like about nine sermons that I'm not going to go really deep into, but um, they're amazing principles that are revealed right here. Let's just, let's just talk. Uh, about a few of them. The gift reveals principles. Here's the first one. Prayer works. You may say, no it doesn't. I say, you're a liar. (laughs) Yes it does. Prayer works. Prayer works. You say, where's prayer in this? It It is the lepers standing afar off, lifting up their voice, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. I want to say this to you. That wasn't the line they were supposed to say. No, their situation said they were supposed to be saying, Son of David, get away from us. We're unclean. That's what their situation said. Their situation is unclean. But in this moment, these lepers are a picture of prayer. And prayer works. And I don't care what kind of situation that you are in today. If you will lift up your voice to the Son of God, He will hear you. Lift up your voice and cry out. Prayer works. James 5 puts it this way. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? Prayer works. The affected, fervent. By the way, that word fervent means red hot. Red hot. I experienced a little bit of that at my daughter's bonfire birthday party Friday night when one of the dear teenagers put gasoline on the fire, on the hay surrounding the fire, Yeah, it was fun. Red hot. Red hot. Um, Dumb, but red hot. Listen to this. Listen to this. The effective, fervent, red hot prayer of the righteous 
avails much. That means makes a lot of God's power available. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I want to tell you, prayer works. But your heart needs to be connected to it. There needs to be a real connection to your prayer. Prayer is not an act of hope. It's an act of faith. There is a confidence in knowing who God is and that He will do what He has said He will do. Prayer works. It worked for the lepers. It will work for you. So that's the first principle reveal. Second one, faith releases miracles. I, wanna, I want, to, want you to see this. Faith releases miracles. And he says, when, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. I want you to notice this. As they went. They were just as leprous when they left Jesus as when they arrived before him. When they came to Jesus shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us, they were leprous. When he said, go and show yourself to the priest, they were leprous. Can you imagine? They're, they're going, wait, we, we, we wanted a healing. But we're leaving with this same disease. I love this scripture. And as they went, they were cleansed. And as they went, they were cleansed. Listen, they took Jesus at his word and went believing. Have you ever read a scripture that just challenged your thinking? It just challenged you. It was like... You know, I see it says that, but my whole situation and circumstance seems to be pointing at a different direction. Do you know what that requires in that moment? Either the Bible has to change, not going to, or you have to change your thinking. And these men took Jesus at his word and they said, we're just going to obey what he said. I don't understand why he, why he's doing it this way. I don't know why I'm going through this. I came to him. I've seen him heal other people instantly. And I don't understand why I now have to go my way and go to the priests who don't even like him. But I'm going to do it because I'm going to take him at his word. And they begin to walk. And the leprosy disappeared as they walked. In what Jesus had said to do. Church, there's a principle here. If God has spoken a word to you, if God has spoken something to you through the scripture, he may have spoken it directly to you. It could have come through a dear brother or, or, or sister. If he's spoken something to you, stand on it. Isaiah 55 Verse 8 through 11 says it this way. God is declaring something to us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, 
that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Listen to me and get this in your heart. You can write this down. Standing on a word from God that He has given you will produce what God has said. When you stand on something that God has said to you, unwavering, it will produce. How long? I don't know. Abraham had to wait a while. And he had some bumps along the way. He tried to do it in his own strength about halfway through. We're still to this day dealing with that. Ishmael is all of the Arab nations. Don't try to make God's promise come to pass in your own wisdom. You stand in faith on what God has spoken to you, and you're going to see it. So prayer works. Faith releases miracles. I have one more for you. This one's simple. Jesus is a healer. This tells us this. Jesus is a healer. Listen, I don't know why these are the ones that I had to highlight today, but I had to put this into the sermon because I think there's some people here who have given up on Jesus being a healer. He is a healer. He healed all ten lepers at one time. He didn't have to touch them. All he did was speak a word, and he healed them. And I want to say this, he is still healing today. Hebrews 13, 8 says it this way, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still a healer. If you're facing something today in your body, He's a healer. If, you're fa- if you need a financial miracle, He's a healer. If you need a-, a breakthrough in some area, Jesus is a healer. We have to declare it, stand on it, let circumstances go whatever way they go, but carry it to the grave with you if you have to. Jesus is a healer. And I believe that the church will begin to move in that kind of faith and that kind of revelation, these kind of principles, we'll see more of heaven on earth. So the gift of God, it has, it reveals plain purposes and it reveals principles. And the sum of those principles I put in this way, if you want to write this down, this is kind of our position. And I'm going to make it my position. It is cry out in a loud voice to God. Believe for a miracle in your situation because God is able. That's the principles that I take away from Luke 17. I take it and I say, you know what, I've got to cry loud. I'm not seeing the breakthrough. Maybe I need to fast and pray. Maybe there's something else that God wants me to do. Maybe there's something that God wants. Maybe there's a, a family member that really needs to be saved. You say, well, that's on them. Well, maybe. But maybe you're a watchman that God has set on the wall to sound an alarm. And you need to fast and pray until God brings it to pass. Because he said, I will bring it to pass. Now, there are plain purposes and there are principles, but I want I, this is the part that I want to get to today as we wrap this up. The gifts of God 
produce passion. The gifts of God produce passion. It produced passion in this man. It says, listen, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Now, we're not going to go into all of the significance of this man being a, a Samaritan, but he was looked down on in their community. They were considered half-breeds by the Jews. And they were really kept at a distance. But I want you to see something in verses 15 and 16. God always intends for the gifts that He gives to produce intimacy. And this is where I think we've been missing it. He wants the gifts that He sows into my life and your life to produce intimacy. Notice the three things that this man did when he recognized God's gift on his life. Notice this. He turned back. He turned back. He was with ten, all ten healed, probably all celebrating. But in that moment where he realized that God had done something for him, that Jesus had done something for him, there was a separation that came. He said, no, 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 there's ten going in one direction. No, God's done something in my life. I've got to, I've got to separate myself. I've got to go back. I, I, I don't know, what it, was there a conversation there? As they're celebrating, look, my hands restored, my feet, my face. They're going to the priests. And this one Samaritan is saying, no, no, no. We, I got to go back. We got to go back. Can you imagine? Maybe they're saying, ah, he's a Samaritan. Don't listen to him. He has no idea. So he separated himself from the crowd. And I think that there was something in the gift of God that said, you know what? No matter which way the crowd is going, I've got to go a different direction. See, when God does something in your life, there will always be that element of standing out of the crowd. You know why? The principle is very simple. Jesus said this, I'm the light of the world. And then he looked at you and he looked at me and said, you're the light of the world. There is something about the work of God in your life which will be separated and heralded and lifted up. The scriptures say, a city set on a hill which cannot be hidden. He turned back. Listen, he praised God in a loud voice. (laughs) You say, well, that's not me. You should try it. It might be. If you, if you, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe if I had something like leprosy and I got healed, maybe I would praise God in a loud voice. Maybe you do have something like leprosy that you've been healed of. I want, I want to say this to you today. I actually think that this Samaritan in this moment, that the gift of God broke the fear of man off of his life. 
The gift of God broke the fear of man off his life. He's like, I'm a, in a loud voice. Everybody knows I'm a leper. Everybody knows at this point. Something is going on. The fear of man is broken off his life by the gift of God. And he in a loud voice begins to praise God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that the gifts that God sows into our life are supposed to produce this kind of passion. Where we say, I, don't, I, I have no fear of what man can do to me. I have no fear of their opinion because of what God has given to me. He praised God in a loud voice. Next, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. Listen, moments ago, he was separated at a distance. Now, he's at his feet, touching him. When's the last time? When's the last time, church, that you felt like this man? Running back to the feet of Jesus. Listen, can you imagine what the, the people around? Oh, no, wait. They must have thought, that's, that's a leprous Samaritan. Why is he not yelling out unclean? What's going on in his life that he thinks that he is so important that he would find himself at the feet of the good teacher. He actually, free of the fear of man, found himself in an intimate moment with God. Well, what one thing initiated this private meeting with the Son of God? Listen to me, church. This is the word. Gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude initiated this private, face-to-face moment with the Son of God. Gratitude was the vehicle that carried him into a personal encounter with Jesus. And I want to say this to you today, church. If you felt dry, you felt separated from God, there is one thing that I believe you could initiate in your life, and it will carry you into His presence. It's gratitude. It's gratitude. Gratitude will carry you into His presence. But oftentimes... We're busy looking at our situation and it's easy to see all that is wrong and how everything could be better. And we think, man, if I were God, I'd be doing this some different way. When all along, gratitude is waiting to carry us to our face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Some of you may be thinking, well, yeah, I don't know if I've ever received a miracle like that. I want to suggest to you today, church, that I think you have. I think you have. I want to suggest to you that God has given you all kinds of gifts already. And the real question is, how are you responding? How are we responding this is the spirit. This is the question that's been resounding in my spirit the last couple of weeks, and it's found in Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, 
Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the question. Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Where are the others? Where are the others that have been cleansed? Where are the others that have been healed? Where are the others in church? I would say, where are you? Where are we? I'm going to say this. I heard this again in worship this morning. Probably the other nine were Jewish. I can't say for certain, but probably they were all Jewish. And I happened to wonder, I just just was wondering. I wonder if a sense of entitlement robbed them of that moment before God. I'm a Jew. I I deserve to be healed. So now I'm going to go and I'm I'm, I'm going to get what I deserve. Sneaky how that creeps into a believer's life and gets peppered in by the enemy. And how sometimes we, we even kind of turn that on God and we just say, God, I deserve something more. When maybe what we need is gratitude to carry us back. See, it's wonderful that these ten were healed. And by the way, they were all healed. But one man got what the healing was supposed to produce. Intimacy with God. The funny thing is, is that when I ask this question, where are the others? We all know where they are. You know where they are? You know where they are. They're standing in front of the priest, right where Jesus told them to be. And you're like, why are they in trouble for being somewhere where Jesus told them to be? Why are they being scolded for actually doing what Jesus told them to do? Church, this is very simple. Obeying the rules is not the point of Christianity. It has always been about a relationship with God. It's this principle. You can be in the right place. And have the wrong heart. They're in the right place. They're doing exactly what the law said to do after having leprosy. But they missed the point. I actually believe the nine wanted healing more than they wanted relationship with God. And I think that's the the thing that the enemy has sown into the church in this hour. Is that we actually want the benefits of God and not God himself. We want the benefits of having a relationship with God. We want finances. We want a good family. We want all the things to go well with us. But, but God, we want actually God. Because really when you invite God in, He tears the whole place up. Because He can't be second. There's a story 
about how they put the ark of God's presence in this place with an idol named Dagon. Put that idol in there. The next day they, they came in and the idol had fallen on its face in the presence of God. They said, oh, what happened? They set the idol back up. The next day they came in. It was broken up completely. I want to tell you, yeah, I understand your fear. That when God comes in, He takes over everything. But that's what He deserves. That's who He is. I I want Him to come in and tear up everything that's wrong. Uproot it. I'm telling you, deal with the stuff in me so I can walk with you the way you deserve to be walked with. This is what it means. You probably heard it for a long time. You know, don't seek His hand, seek His face. We want the benefits of a relationship, but not a real relationship, because that would mean real change. And I want to say this to you. When's the last time you've danced around your living room rejoicing in the salvation He gave you? Church, when's the last time you just Do you look like these kids? When's the last time you opened your word and you remembered? Oh, I remember when all things became new. I remember the gift. When's the last time, as, as Pastor Luke was singing this morning, you've counted up the blessings, as the old hymn says, until joy unspeakable overflows in your soul? When's the last time you've meditated on a miracle that a friend got without thinking about the one that you're seeking and rejoiced? I believe What the Spirit of God is saying is that the church is not responding to the miracles and the gifts that they already possess, all while seeking more. We're not responding to all that God has already given us, all while saying, hey God, could you do this, could you do this, could you do this? And I want to say this to you and let this be heard in your ears. I believe... God wants to give us more as long as it produces the intimacy with Him that He has always intended it would produce. I want to finish up by saying this. Listen. All ten were healed. All ten. All of them. One responded the right way to the gift of God in his life. All of them experienced the hand of God. By the way, I don't care where you are today. Like I said, maybe maybe your relationship with God is going really, really, really well. Or maybe it's in a ditch. I, I got news for you. If the hand of God touches you, and you get your breakthrough, and you have your moment, just look up. You'll find His face. It's not far off. Because the gift it's not just about you being healed. It's about being healed 
to be with Him. It's about walking in principles to be with Him. It's about gratitude carrying you day after day back to the feet of Jesus. Let's bow our heads this morning. I have to ask this question in this room. Pastor brought it up. I was feeling it so strong in the back. I do feel like there's a couple of people in here that God's got something for you. A next step, a next level. But there's some, there might be somebody here today who doesn't know Him. Listen, God's not afar off. You need only to lift up your voice and cry what these lepers cried. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I don't believe God makes it complex. I love what Romans 10 tells us. He says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You need to repent. You need to turn from Him. You do. But today's your day. Don't be the leper that stays quiet when Jesus is so close by. He's near to you because He loves you. And He's good. If that's you here today and you know you're, you're separated from God, you don't really have a relationship with God, but you want to start, start one, I want to pray for you. And I don't want really anybody else looking around. I just want to know. Is there anybody like that here today says, no, I need a real relationship with God. Maybe you've been the one that's just been going to church for the benefits, but not the relationship. Who is that here? You know that you're not right with God, but you need to get right with Him today. I want you to simply lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. Yeah, I see your hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? Yeah, I see your hand in the back. That's awesome. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody else? Yeah, I see it. Awesome. You can put it down. God's doing something today. Saving souls. Say, how simple is this, Pastor? How how simple is it? Let's just let's just go before God together. And I want you to pray from your own heart. Because he says, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. You'll open it, I'll come in. Calvary, I want you to pray along with me. And along with these others as we pray this, just say this, Dear Heavenly Father, right now, I surrender to you. Jesus, I believe that you came to die for my sin. That you were buried. And on the third day, you were raised from the dead. Right now, Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you for forgiving me for washing me, for cleansing me, and making me your own. Right now, God, I give you everything. I'm turning from my old life, and I'm turning to you. Holy Spirit, right now I ask 
that you would convict and convince sons and daughters that we need gratitude in our lives. We need to be thankful. Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord, that in the coming days, in the busyness of preparation for Christmas, that you would open our eyes to those things which would carry us to your feet, the gifts that would carry us to your feet. Father, we repent today of not being thankful for all that you already have done, God. We, Lord, say forgive us for having a thankless heart. Lord, today we want to count our blessings, God. We want gratitude to carry us into your presence, Lord. We want to rejoice, Lord, in the God of our salvation. We want to live in thanksgiving for all that you have done, are doing, and will do. Holy Spirit, we want to live in gratitude. And we will, with your help. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you, Pastor Otis. Wasn't that a word for us this morning? Amen. Here's the word for me, the practical one that I'm, I'm that I'm taking away today. That I'm <clears throat> that if I'm in a difficult season, and some of us are, I'm going to focus in on the things that God's really working on right now that He's blessing me in because there's many blessings that are going on around us that we're unaware of. And I want to become aware of what God is doing. I want to give Him thanks. I just know the Father is so pleased when something is overflowing out of our heart to give Him gratitude, to give Him thanks. So Father, we just choose gratitude today. We choose to be thankful people, Lord. Father, take that spirit out of us, Lord, that, Lord, you owe us, Lord. Father, it's only by your mercy and grace do we receive. And, Lord, we will be people, Lord, uh, that are overflowing with gratitude and thankfulness. We say this to you. Lord, we thank you that you're going to do this work inside of us. Lord, we're not going to be spoiled, Lord. We're not going to be... Lord, ungrateful, Lord, but we're going to be kids, Lord, filled, Lord, with gratitude towards you. And all God's people say what? Amen. Have a great day, guys. God bless you.